Welcome to the Mo Therapy Podcast. Stoked to have you here. A quick reminder that you are inherently worthy and this is not a substitution for therapy. I am a therapist in training and I say this because I want the very best for your mental health. In each episode, I will give an aha moment, a fun fact, and a question to ponder, making mental health resources easier to access and sharing information about the path to becoming a mental health counselor or school counselor. In this podcast, I will talk about how when I doubted my career choice, I became a metaphorical scientist, did some research, and resolved my self-doubt forever. Then I will talk about how months later, self-doubt returned and I tried something else and that's been working. Lastly, I'll give a fun fact about perspective changing from Angela Duckworth. This was a hard podcast episode to write as I wanted to stand in my integrity with what actions I have taken, thoughts that came up, and the results of my efforts. As I've stated before, I don't want to give advice that I have just theorized, but advice that I have actually realized. Doing this podcast helped me to be honest with my progress and to better understand what was and wasn't working. Looking back, I'm really impressed about the effort that I put in. I'm proud of myself for continuously having the courage to understand myself more fully. Let me start off by saying that even some of the most famous people have suffered from self-doubt. Lady Gaga revealed in her documentary that she sometimes felt like a loser in high school. Ariana Huffington calls the negative self-talk in her head an obnoxious roommate. I love this quote from actress Tavi Gavinson. She says, Imposter syndrome is the bane of my existence. I look to my role models and remember that nobody, no matter how aw shucks they seem in interviews, can't get anything done without, well believing in themselves. I try to stay so inspired to get work done that there isn't even time to be insecure about it. I just have to do it. I also have playlists, mostly Kanye, some Fiona Apple and Eve and Kelly Rowland and much, much more. I also have mantras. Kate Nash told me to say to myself every morning, I'm a badass bitch from hell and no one can fuck with me. Saying it loud makes it more true than if you just said it in your head. What I love about this quote is that self-doubt is absolutely something you can manage and everyone manages it differently. I wish someone would have told me this while I was in my 20s, going to university in Canada, and constantly worried about what I was going to do for a career. In university, I was super ambitious. I got good grades, I had a ton of friends, I organized numerous events, traveled to over 25 countries, and lived in additional seven countries. I received an email once from a friend saying that I inspired her to join the Peace Corps in Ukraine, and how she admired my ability to do anything I put my mind to. And yes! I'm smart and capable and ambitious, but I also struggle with self-doubt and uncertainty. My mom was a third grade teacher and she had a student once that was really promising, a cut above the rest in both academia and athletics. My mom was sure the student would have a bright future ahead of her. A decade later, she ended up running into the student who was working at Kinko's 
and it turned out that she never ended up going to college and she still didn't know what she wanted to pursue. Because she was so spectacular in so many areas, she was paralyzed with making a decision. I acknowledge it is a privilege to have access to the internet and the ability to move almost anywhere. And I also believe this increases the burden of choice that many of us are experiencing. At the start of my second semester, right before my practicum was going to begin, I started to question whether or not I had made the right decision. Well, to be honest, thoughts of self-doubt entered my head as early as the second month of the program. I don't know about you, but I find that when something is new, the fantasy of what might be is larger than the reality of what is. And as I learn more about the reality of a situation, it doesn't look as good and as perfect as it once was in my mind. This can be in relationships, jobs, friendships, heck, even that thing I purchased online that I was so stoked to get and then a week after it arrives, I'm over it. I also acknowledge it's a defense mechanism to intellectualize all the ways that something could go wrong so that I can protect myself from the possibility of pain. But we all know that living as a bubble boy isn't a way to live a life that's full of joy, wonder, and adventure. So while I was in my first semester and on campus walking to my cognitive behavioral therapy class on a crisp fall afternoon, I started to feel self-doubt about my career and I was afraid that these thoughts would overwhelm me as they had in the past. I knew this was something that I could not ignore and so I transformed into a scientist and decided to research the hypothesis that mental health is a really good career choice for Monique. And as any good scientist knows, it's all about the lab coat. So I went on Poshmark and then looked at all these different coats and then bought like five, no, I'm just joking, I did not do that. Um, as any good scientist knows, it's all about the facts. I started with writing up a list of questions that I was curious about and reached out to an old high school to interview the counselors there. Doing so externalized my problem and allowed me to look at it more objectively. It also gave me a tangible step that propelled me forward instead of feeling stuck without the ability to change. After an hour meeting with the counseling director and asking the other five counselors some quick questions before they started their morning meeting, I was pumped. I had many of my questions answered and found out about the latest improvements involving a new health center for students, stricter parameters around the counselor's role to include more direct services for youth, and pay increases due to a recent bill that was passed in Washington. Part of my research involved writing a list of things I loved about school counseling which included having the summers off, as well as being part of a team that helps people during pivotal points of transition. I also really enjoy having the opportunity to organize workshops and connect one-on-one -on -one with individuals. I love being a part of a larger community and attending events like sports games, theater shows, lectures, and graduation. Yes, school counselors do have a lot on their plate and it can be really stressful at times, but the type of challenge the career presents is the type of growth I'm interested in. Every job is going to have negative aspects to it. That's just a part of life. An important question to ask yourself is if you can handle living through the worst parts of the job. As Mark Manson, author of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, wrote, what shit sandwich do you want to eat? Because eventually we all get served one. Another quote of his that made me laugh out loud was, what's your favorite flavor of shit sandwich 
And does it come with an olive? I finished my first semester with a 4.0 and felt confident that I was making the right choice. I decided I was going to go the school counselor route, which meant I could still become a licensed mental health counselor after graduation. Whereas if I did the route of the mental health counselor, I wouldn't be able to become a school counselor. Yeah, high fives for everyone for mitigating self-doubt. Now I will never ever experience self-doubt ever again. Fast forward to the start of the second semester. Oh, hello there, self-doubt. Fancy meeting you here. It was early July. The snow was still on the ground. It was my fourth consecutive day in a onesie, which I am not ashamed about because I love myself a onesie. But I was sitting at my computer with a pit of anxiety and frustration, and I was worried once again, is this the right choice? I turned to the one thing that has helped me time and time again, journaling my thoughts out in free form to let whatever was in my head come out on the paper in order to get a better idea of what was creating this uncertainty. This is super vulnerable, but here's an excerpt from my journey. I feel like I'm making the wrong choice. Like I don't have a clear perspective in order to make the right choice. I can see where this self-doubt stems from in my upbringing, but how long am I going to let that story impact my life? What am I going to do to minimize the harm I experience so that it doesn't control my life forever? When I was growing up, I was told that my dreams weren't possible, that they were too big, that they weren't realistic, that I was going to fail. And so I thought of smaller, more quote-unquote realistic dreams but they weren't as motivating. So I scanned through dream after dream after dream to see which appropriately sized realistic dreams sparked my ambition, but none of them held my attention for too long. I wish I knew for certain where this life was going to take me, but time and time again, I'm reminded that I don't have a single destination. I have a journey. And it's been an amazing journey at that, filled with plot twists, extraordinary adventures, and remarkable people. I think that you're nervous that you will start the practicum and realize this is the worst choice you ever made and why did you choose this path? Yes, there are things in every job that you aren't going to like, but just because you don't like it doesn't mean all the aspects of the job are going to be horrible. And you don't know what the future holds. You don't know what will happen a month from now. You don't know what's going to happen a year from now. It's like you're afraid of a future that hasn't come yet, of a possible situation that may or may not ever be a reality. If you want to believe in something, why not believe the best will happen as that will serve you so much more than believing about this hypothetical tragedy. Or allow yourself to accept that you don't know what the future holds and you'll make the best of whatever comes your way. Allow yourself to come back to the here and now and be curious about what brings you bliss. Out of all the things you don't know, here are some that you do. You know that you always rise to the occasion. You know that uncertainty is really difficult to endure and that it doesn't last forever. You know that this is your current situation, but not your end destination. You know that you are smart, capable, and a freaking spark of positive energy. And you know that self-doubt is self-inflicted, totally manageable, and you don't want your spark to be dimmed with the worry of what might be. As Mark Twain said, I've had a lot of worries in my life, most of which have never happened. He sounded exactly like that, BTW, but anyways. But don't stress. 
about what is unknown for there are so many magical moments just around the corner that you don't even know are coming. Nothing is forever except my love for you. You got this. It felt really cathartic to get my feelings out, but I also needed to put action to my words as Stanford professor of psychiatry Irvine Yalom stated, catharsis is necessary, but not sufficient for change. There also needs to be a component of behavioral change. Well, behavioral and cognitive change. I have been so inspired by my partner who has grown so much both personally and professionally over his life. And it's not because he's a naturally talented person, but because of his sustained passion and consistency over a long period of time. This is otherwise identified as grit, which I will talk about in the fun facts section. It also helped that he was quite stubborn, eternally optimistic, and decided not to believe all the people that told him he couldn't do something. He just went and did it. He self-identifies as not being good at a lot of things, but he's so freaking good at the things he does do. And this is something that others would see as a flaw, not being good at a lot of things. But he leveraged this to benefit him by narrowing his skip. And throughout his journey, he kept identifying the next thing he wanted to accomplish by following what he was interested in. He also attended workshops, hired coaches, read books, taught classes, and joined groups. He will never admit to this, but I think he's one of the hardest working people that I know. I, on the other hand, am a lone wolf that intensely dives into a whole list of goals and because my intensity is so high and my breadth is so wide and I don't have the support system, I don't end up meeting all my goals and end up feeling like a failure. Well, to clarify, I have accomplished a lot and I kept on intensely diving into things because I did see some results, but it's not sustainable. And I want to acknowledge that it's not all bad. I feel as though because I've had so many varied experiences in my life that that's going to really help me as a counselor. But at this time in my life, I want to value consistency over intensity. A great quote from Oliver Berkman is, you have to say no to a number of meaningful things in order to make a meaningful difference in one area. I want to pause for a moment to highlight all the ways in which I tried to mitigate the pain experienced from the roller coaster ride that is self-doubt. When, spoiler alert, maybe next time I just don't buy a ticket. I also want to illustrate how complex we are as human beings and how working in one area is probably going to uncover other issues and the importance of being compassionately curious while you courageously try to understand yourself more fully. What works for others might not work for you right now but it might in the future. And on the flip side, what works right now might not work for you in the future. I hate to break it to you, but there is no single magic formula that works for everyone. Let me repeat, there is no single magic formula that works for everyone, except for this one. Okay, so number one, develop self-awareness. Number two, educate yourself on what to try and why. Three, evaluate your progress and create improvements. And then four, start again. But I digress. 
back to my journey about doubting my career choice. Long story, kind of shorter. So over the break, I fell right back into that old habit of intensely diving into all the ways in which I needed to improve and obsessing over spreadsheets and making Word documents in order to create a future of certain success. But as I am older and wiser, I noticed this pattern and the anxiety of feeling like I needed to do it all and took a step back. I am so proud of myself for this next step because I realized that before making any self-improvements, I needed to establish a rapport with myself that was based off of self-compassion. And I needed to remind myself that I am inherently worthy of love and that my self-worth is not based off of my accomplishments. That sounds great and all, but how do you do that? I'll be honest with you and say I have spent way too long on this podcast and at this moment I won't go into this topic because I'm really procrastinating from a ton of reading I should do. So I'm gonna leave you in like such crippling suspense. It's gonna be like the end of a Netflix original episode. But if you can't wait, check out the book Self-Compassion by Krista Neff because that's an excellent read. So sitting at my computer, I closed the spreadsheet tabs, I put the papers away in a folder, and I got in touch with the inner critic that pushed the emergency self-doubt alarm in the first place. I came to the conclusion that no matter how much planning and preparation I do, the feeling of self-doubt and the desire for certainty will always show up uninvited with muddy boots on my newly cleaned freaking carpet. I realized all the work I was doing was to prove to myself that I got this rather than just trusting myself that I got this. If I have established trust with someone, I don't need to question their trust over and over and over again. I trust them. And this doesn't mean that they will never hurt me. It means that I don't need to constantly worry about trusting them. And when a situation comes up that breaks that trust, I'll deal with that then. It would be similar if I asked my partner every single week for a report that supports the love they have for me, rather than giving them the benefit of the doubt that they do love me and I don't need a report to prove this every week. So side note, I went to the Webster Dictionary like the nerd I am and the phrase benefit of the doubt means the state of accepting something or someone as honest or deserving of trust even though there are doubts. Which reminds me of this quote from Anne Lamont. She says, the opposite of faith is not doubt but certainty. Certainty is missing the point entirely. Faith includes noticing the mess the emptiness and discomfort and letting it all be there until the light returns. With this newfound knowledge, my next right step on my healing journey is twofold. I'm really proud of myself that I didn't make it into a huge spreadsheet with a bunch of different tasks to do. I really simplified it to make it small and scalable, which is something that I've talked about before with Atomic Habits and James Clear. So one, cognitively, I'm going to acknowledge that no amount of planning will prevent me from experiencing self-doubt. That while I'm experiencing self-doubt, I will make the most out of my current opportunities and that I'm going to choose to believe that it's all going to work out and that if it doesn't, I'll deal with that then. 
Secondly, behavioral, that word is hard to say, behaviorally, I totally got it right. Okay, so secondly, I'm going to make it a priority to work out and practice mindfulness exercises as I recognize both of these habits significantly improve my mindset and thus my well-being. I don't know what will work for you to help solve the puzzle that is in your soul, but I hope that if you are suffering from self-doubt, know that you aren't alone, that there are many different ways to alleviate the suffering and to be compassionately curious when exploring what works for you. The absolute worst thing you can do is to do nothing at all and to fall deeper into your thoughts not reach out to anyone, not look for any helpful resources, and suffer in silence, just spinning with your thoughts over and over and over again. Believe me, I've tried that. And the only thing it's provided me with is compassion for others that have also fallen into that deep well of darkness. In a world full of uncertainty, I know there's something out there that will help you. So, fun fact. Did you know that the person that popularized the word grit as the most important character feature for success actually believes that quitting things is important? Angela Duckworth was interviewed on a podcast called Dare to Lead with, you guessed it, Brene Brown on grit and the importance of trying new things. Both Brene Brown and Angela Duckworth started their careers late. Brene traveled a lot, worked as a bartender, finished her bachelor's when she was 29, and then started her master's and PhD. Angela's dad thought that the best route was to go to Harvard and then become a professor because it was prestigious and secure. Whereas her mom encouraged her to do whatever she wanted to do. She found that after she had checked all the boxes by getting into Harvard and having good grades and being popular, that she was still unhappy. And after graduating, she went on a different path than her dad's wishes by starting a summer school for kids, which caused a lot of tension and her dad stopped talking to her for six months. It took her 10 years between graduating from college and starting her PhD. Brene also talked about the importance of being open to trying new things and learning what things aren't for you. She said that people would say, I tried this, I hated it, I quit. Does that mean that I don't have grit? And she responded, no. Ask yourself, did you learn something? Did you get closer to the things that you might love by trying out things that you don't? Angela went on to say that grit is something that has multiple parts. Part of grit is being resilient. Part of grit is being really interested. Part of grit is feeling like what you are doing is aligned with your core values as a person. And part of grit is being willing to practice. She then said to Brene, I do think that perspective taking is really important for resiliency as we have both experienced big mess ups. And if I don't put that into perspective, then it does blot out the sun. Brene Brown then talked about a perspective exercise she came up with called the 5-5, where she thinks, will this matter in five minutes, in five hours, in five weeks, in five months, or five years? And this helps her to put her worries into perspective. Lastly, another helpful tip from the podcast was Angela's relative, Ken Duckworth, who is a medical director for the National Alliance on Medical Illness. 
she asked him, can you give me the gist of therapy, like in a sentence? After some back and forth, he responded, most of therapy is notice it, sit with it, and put it into perspective. Notice when you're feeling distressed, and then sit with it. Oftentimes, we try to avoid our feelings by drinking, watching TV, shopping, but a lot of therapy is just creating a safe space just to sit with one's feelings. The last part is to put it into perspective. Zoom out. Realize this terrible, horrible, stressful thing, whatever it is, is a single section of your life story and that you are the author of your life. You are the person that moves this plot forward. You get to decide how you want to perceive the meaning, the weight, and the outcome of any thought or experience. Sometimes I like to think about what the hero in my story would do, and then I do that. Oh boy, this has been a long podcast, but I really hope that it's been beneficial and insightful. So nearing the end, the question to ponder I want to leave you with is, how can self-compassion help you achieve your goals? What is more useful to cultivate for success? Self-esteem or self-compassion? Well, that is a great question and I am going to talk about it on my next podcast, which will be in two weeks because I have work as a goal. So if there are three things I want to highlight for you to take away from the podcast, it would be one, externalizing my problem by pretending I was a scientist with a really good lab coat allowed me to look at my self-doubt more objectively. It also gave me tangible steps that propelled me forward instead of feeling stuck without agency to change. Secondly, journaling helps to develop self-awareness and understanding, which is really important. But in order to create change, you also need positive cognitive and behavioral actions. So explore what works for you, but avoid trying to do everything at once. Aim for consistency over intensity and aim for simplicity of goals that you can later on scale up once they have been established. Three. Self-doubt is unavoidable, but when it comes up, this doesn't mean that you're destined to fail. You get to choose your relationship with this, and you can relate to this feeling by noticing it, sitting with it, and putting it into perspective. Well, that's all for this episode. Check out my Instagram at mo underscore therapy if you just can't get enough and you want more content, and go take a nap. You deserve it. <laughs>